I think we should look into this. There's more to it. I have a feeling. So do I. I got the feeling that Berman, as much as I hate his guts and hope that he dies a slow and painful death, is right. And if he is, I don't want to know about it. Brian Sykes was my friend, period. He backed me up, he bailed me out, and he could roll a bowling ball like a cruise missile. That's what I want to remember. I'm done. I need a drink. Oh, it's been like seven days since we've recorded an episode. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, Matt. I feel welcome back. Oh, that's good. I would hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode, a forever night episode. Uh, season two, episode 18, The Fix. Or as I like to think of it, this is what happens when you give an addict a new drug. Woo! <laughs> You're only changing one dependency for another, Nicholas. <laughs> I loved your woo. <laughs> like, yeah, I loved this episode. I knew you were going to love this episode. I've been predicting it for weeks. For those of you who don't know, secondhand embarrassment is when you feel embarrassed for the people on the screen as if you are doing that thing. And I'm if, a sufferer. If you have it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I suffer from this. <laughs> In all of the situational comedy, i.e. Nick eating noodles off of somebody else's plate, you feel that like you're the one doing it. Oh, yeah. And it feels awkward and difficult. And Matt loved every second of this episode. I could tell. Maybe about 80% of yeah, the seconds. It's not a bad episode. There's a couple of scenes that are like, oh, what? Um, but, you know, I have not given this episode a fair chance in a long time because the noodle scene freaks me the fuck out and I have a really hard time watching it. But I'm glad we sat down and watched it. But before we get into it, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to... Oh, God. I said it wrong again. This is Come In, 81 Kilo. Forever Night Podcast. I like to say eventually I'm going to get it, but that would be a lie. Well, um, the PlayStation came out in what, 1994? And I still don't know the button configuration. That's fine. Well, to be fair, they they added the uh, the joysticks in like 98. Yeah, but we're so talking about the X, triangle, square, circle... <laughs> However, those are arranged. <laughs> I don't know. Not like I haven't owned every single PlayStation. Not like you don't. Anyway. All right. So listen, I like to give myself grace. I don't have to be hyper competent in every aspect of my life. You don't? No, you don't have to. 
Nobody has to. It's okay to have things where you're a little bit ditzy. Good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. You get to be you. Yeah, if you want to have things that you're really good at, go off. You want to be mildly competent at some things? It's perfectly great. Have you not heard of doing exactly the fuck what you want to do? There's a guy on Instagram, Rodney Norman, and I follow him. But he had a really good reel the other day. It was like, you know, you can just do stuff. Yeah. You don't need to ask anybody's permission. And you can be not good at it and you can still enjoy it. And that's perfectly fine. Yep. Yeah. This is my primary problem with like social media, sharing all of your things, accomplishments, shit on social media. Right. It's uh, highlights of just little snapshots of hyper competence or well, everything's what it is, perfect. Is you get the idea that what is the point in doing anything if you aren't good enough at it to show other people? Um, for the fun of it. Yeah, you understand that. Well, yes, yes. Right? But like I see it in our kids where it's like, well, I'm not good at it. Well, who can, who do you enjoy doing it? I don't ask my kids who gives a shit. I just say, <laughs> do you enjoy doing it? Well, yeah. Okay. Then what's the difference? Like, okay, so our kids are in whatever. I'm like a soccer mom. Secretly, I'm a soccer mom. I feel like my secret life is the soccer mom life <laughs> and my real life is the like podcaster who, t- who says well. fuck a lot. Okay. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, they're in gymnastics. They're in basketball. They're in dance. Are any of our kids going to go on to be in the NBA or the WNBA or hopefully by the time they get there, the all of it NBA? Um, no, they're not. I love them to death. Are they athletic? Not even a little bit. Um, Penny still can't dribble a basketball. But she's enthusiastic. But she loves it so much. And you know what we counted? How many times did you get to touch the ball during each game? Hey, they actually threw the ball at me this game and I caught it and then I passed it to somebody else. You know what? I am so happy for you. Why would I expect a nine-year-old to be competitive in basketball? That is bananas. And yet I'm sitting next to all these parents that are yelling themselves red in the face. Like, defense, who gives a shit? Isn't it cute? They're all running around with the ball. Can't we just be excited we're here? Or dance. Are, are we going to go on to go to Juilliard for dance? You know what? I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for my children. Do I expect them to be Juilliard level by the time they get done with their little $40 a week bas- or ballet course? No. Do I hope they have a good time? Absolutely. Because long term... The love of doing things and the continued effort over years from genuine self-interest is going to, you know, it's going to supersede any amount of effort that we put in to well, force them to do here's it. here's how I look at it. I mentioned before, I have a very useful degree in art. And I did ceramics. And I think everybody should do pottery just once in their life because it's really good for everyone to try something that literally nobody is good at when they first start. I used to teach it and I would tell people, you know, it takes, can take up to a year of consistent practice for you to be able to sit down at the wheel and make exactly the thing that you have in your head. And even then, sometimes it's just not going to come out. And you just have to accept that, that you know, 
You have to work at this. This is not going to come easily. I have done a lot of crafts, and I realized I have a lot of mom friends that have absolutely no idea that I literally have done knit, crochet, embroidery, uh, bead weaving, let's see, ceramics, watercolor, oil, acrylic, anything. You name it, sewing, I've probably done it. Am I good at all of these things? No. But the cumulative effort of having learned all of these new skills, one, it's fun. I really enjoy it. And two, I can sit down and learn a new, I am moderately competent at any new crafting skill within two or three hours because I have learned a whole wide variety of things. There's a lot of crossover in just learning how to use your hands effectively. So even if you don't feel like there's a payoff, like, oh man, we're not the best podcasters in the world. We're not scripted. We're not crime juggling. Wait, what? We're on IMDb, though. People keep telling me that (laughs) our podcast is amazing and everybody loves it. Listen, I don't know who added Strange and Beautiful Book Club to IMDb, but like, thank you. I can't tell you how I feel about that because I haven't unpacked it yet. But I went on and like submitted a request to add us as the cast. And I thought, oh, my God, if this gets accepted, I'm going to have a credit on IMDb. Legit. Like legitimately i will be on there as like rachel uh self host strange and beautiful book club that's wild you know what i think is really funny i think it's strange and beautiful book club we actually have less than 85 percent of our audiences in the united states yeah i saw some of the demographics for that yeah so i finally got rachel to add me um on the the hosting platform and on the YouTube channel. And so I've been cleaning things up <laughs> specifically forever night. Because I'm playlist. okay with being moderately good at things. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, the YouTube playlist for Come In 81 Kilo is now in order oh. and has all of the episodes. <laughs> wow. Thank you. And I changed the description. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're. Getting things in order. Yeah, I just think that's interesting. That less than eight. I mean, you would expect. We're in, oh we yeah, are, but okay. while I was in there doing that, yeah, like, even on YouTube, you can see the like distribution yeah. of viewers. Oh wow. Ah, huh. yeah. Interesting. You know what? Our new one doesn't have as a gender breakdown. When we were on Anchor, it would tell me what our gender breakdown was. Right. But the new one doesn't. So I don't know. Whatever. I hope we. I hope everyone enjoys what they're listening to. And I hope you can tell that we enjoy doing it. And I think that that's a good goal. And I think we meet it. So I'm happy with that. And, and we're on a pretty consistent uh, upward trajectory I on mean, that's all like, right. number of Instagram even followers. If, even if only our couple of listeners who really enjoy listening continue to enjoy listening, I think I'd be fine with that too. So I just wanted to say thank you. And there was our soapbox. And now let's talk about this really, really awkward episode. We're definitely not avoiding the issue by... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, So this is an episode. Um, It's actually a more complicated episode than several of the ones that we've had previously. We've actually haven't had a really like Nick centric episode in a while because Amateur Night is really skanky. Yeah. And Fire Inside is kind of ensemble. Um, We haven't really had like a good Nick vampire episode. We've just had the the vampire part is auxiliary 
it allows us to let him get shot and put him in dangerous situations and like make him scared of fire and stuff, but not like he is confronting what it means to be a vampire and try to lead the life he wants to lead. And so we finally get back to that, which is nice, actually. We also awkwardly eat noodles. This is beside the point. So anyway, we start out with um, a guy down by the river. We start out with this guy and he's like sitting down by the river and he pulls out a photo and it's a bowling team photo, the detective league. Yep. And it's got him and Skanky and a couple other guys. And he draws a little pirate patch and a mustache on himself. And then he pulls out a suicide note, which we never actually know what the top part says because the top part has, oh no, I think, does Cohen read it? There's like no, two, I don't think so. There's like two sentences typed, but then he writes adios muchachos across it. Yep. And then he puts in a tape, sits back, and shoots himself. It's been a while since we've had suicide. I guess they, they ran out of ideas for it in the first season. And so now they're yeah. like, well, I don't know, maybe it's been a while. No one's going to, no, yeah. look, we, we can bring we that can bring back. That back. That's, yeah. that's cheap plot. Yeah. And we're interspersing this with Scenes of Nick and Natalie at the morgue. And Natalie is taking Nick's blood. Canonically, we know he has a heartbeat about once every 10 minutes. Do you have any idea how long it would take him to give two bags of blood that full? And just for testing, this is like an immense amount of blood. (laughs) She like, could have divided that shit in two. How she hungry could have was just he gotten when he was test done? Tubes. That was like breakfast for him. And you know he only has the blood he drank. He doesn't have his own blood. <laughs> Canonically. Canonically. <laughs> Which means he's now he's bloodless, basically. Unless he really drank a ton of cow's blood this morning. Yeah. Yeah, because that's almost like a full wine wait, bottle worth of blood. Wait, something just hit me. Okay, later, when we're talking about lidobuterine B, which is the drug that he's given to cure him of his vampireness, she tells him that it's used for beef production. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if it is as effective as it is in his body, because the only blood in his body is cow blood. <laughs> You're onto something, Rachel. <laughs> I tried to hold it together all the way through that sentence, but... um, You got there. I did. I did. I made it. That really just occurred to me. She's like, well, it's used for beef production. What is... Okay, so how does the blood work, right? Does the blood... Do they have to renew their cells? Like, we renew our cells? So is he pulling nutrition from the blood in order to, like, heal himself? So every time he gets shot, the material he uses to, like fix himself would Mm be cow in origin at this point is nick like 85 percent bovine (laughs) (laughs) with the amount of damage he has taken during the just the time we see during the episodes yeah yes okay i mean you are what you eat you are what What you you eat. eat yeah so anyway he makes a crack he's like this is the first time i've given blood he does the like, oh, I just got stabbed by a needle. Like, I'm, right, I'm gonna right. like. But then he gets shot and he just stands there and it closes. <laughs> Why right. are you worried about the needle hole leaking? Nick? I know. 
it's fine. Whatever. Just, just roll with it. Hey, maybe he gets into character, right? Oh, yeah. He's in his human mode. Yeah, he's in human mode. So he has to pretend like that's going to bleed if he doesn't. Like Murderbot his... runs his look like a human code. Yeah, just like that. He's running his look like a human code. And Natalie's like, okay, I, time to go test it. So she takes her two giant bags of blood, like gallon sized bags of blood outside. And she like holds them up in the sun. And then one gets really hot. So and she, you can see it separating, yes. which I thought was a cool special effect. Yeah. So she tosses it. Okay. It is daytime. It is out the fucking front door, which we know is right on the road. This coroner walks out with two bags of blood. <laughs> One of them <laughs> One of like the, explodes. Bursts and... <laughs> into flames. And she just tosses it on the concrete where it starts to bubble. And the... then the other one does nothing. And she goes, ah, okay. It goes back inside. <laughs> goes back inside. And just <laughs> leaves the pile of blood. <laughs> it's She leaves. It's right on this previously unstained concrete. Well, I'm guessing what happens with the vampire blood is that it evaporates like it turns into like just oily residue but it's still gonna stain the concrete right but it may not look like normal blood but no one's gonna be like what what happened outside did you see the new stain on the concrete natalie's gonna be like yes so weird (laughs) grace did you did you see that there was a bag of there was like a blood bag in the middle of it too did you guys like Throw it, but oh, interns, fucking interns. <laughs> Blame it on the guy that couldn't get the uh, the dental, yeah, uh, form, yeah, yeah, from a dead body that wasn't moving. I did like that Natalie was wearing a vest. I feel like that was in solidarity for the first part of this episode. Natalie's wearing a vest, and Nick is not. And then when he's finally uh-huh. back to being a vampire, he has a vest back on. That's. Nice observation. So I just want to point out vests cause vampirism. (laughs) Or or vampirism causes vests. Oh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's our intro. Because Skanky wears a vest a lot. No, he doesn't. He only wears a suit. I've seen him in like a vest with a jacket. Mm Mm-mm. No, I'm no, just making that up. I'm retconning. Yeah. yeah, he wears like the double-breasted suit, like the low-button suit. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So she tosses this bag on the ground, and it continues to bubble, and then she's like, yes! And she goes back inside, and then we, bada, bada, we go to the intro. <laughs> and then we come back, and it's still day. Actually, a lot of this episode is day. This is probably our most, like, daylight we've seen anybody in. Which I love how increasingly disheveled Nick looks throughout the day. Disheveled and sunburned. This is also how I feel during the summer when I have to be outside. <laughs> but by the end of the day, I'm just like sweaty and nasty and my hair is all standing up and I'm sunburned. So this it's accurate. I feel like this was, was well done. I love how we have to, we don't put him in his pale makeup, but we put him in tan makeup instead. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we can't just have Garrett Wynn Davies have his natural complexion. Heaven forbid. It would be too much It'd for be, the screen. It would be. It would be. Yeah, you're right. That's an accurate observation. But we come back and we're back by the river. And this is Brian Sykes, our our victim, not victim, our suicide. It is a suicide, but we don't know why he did it. Because, I mean, we see, we watched him do it, so we know we did it. But the question is... We know that he pulled the trigger, but we don't know why. Yeah, the question we're pondering, well, at least Nick is pondering, 
Nick is the only one who investigates this for once. He ropes Skanky in a couple of times, but Nick is the one who will not oh, let this go. And Skanky at first is pushing that he wouldn't have done this, right. which is probably why Nick is feeling like, well, this is worth investigating. Yeah, he's also Skanky's off his got chomp good. for half this episode, but yes, yeah. that too. Although Skanky's I love how he's a instincts. better cop when he's like flying high than he is when he's not. It's because all the uh, just rapid the associations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, what is that guy that says, um, what is it? It's like, uh, if you walk through the snow over and over again, you wear paths. Mm-hmm. But if you take a, like a hallucinogen, it's like a fresh fall of snow. You yes. get to make new paths. Yep. It's a fresh fall of snow for Nick. But this is, we get to see Cohen out during the day away from her office. Somebody must have given her a day pass. Woo-hoo. And she talks to Skanky. She's like, Skanky, are you Okay. Because she knows this was Skanky's bro. This was his friend. They were Biffles. They were, yeah. They bowled together. They bowled together. And you know On what, a Skanky? related note, I bowled three strikes in a row last week. <laughs> Congratulations. Followed by a strike. Would, would you say you could or, roll? Not a strike. Three strikes in a row followed by a... Uh, spare. What's it? Spare. Would you say you can roll a bowling ball like a cruise missile? I could say that. <laughs> Okay, we're going to get there. Um, but Skanky, Skanky is like, he's in jeans for once and like a polo, but he's thrown on This a is suit casual, jacket. Yeah, Skanky, this is... because he's officially not on the case because of his history, his closeness. Plus, he wasn't the first officer on scene. This isn't his shift. I don't even, he was at the precinct, but he's not really at work. Right. And it's just cute. We don't get to see Skanky in like, jeans very often and they're built in under his belly and it's really cute i don't know i like skanky and he's like yeah you know i'm i'm okay i don't know this isn't him like sykes wouldn't have done this and we talk about how the guy the first guy on scene was actually an internal affairs officer named burnham which is slightly suspicious yeah and he's really taking charge of this and i want to look up a like he's invested in the outcome. You're looking up who played Berman? No, they kept saying he was in the Bunko squad. That Sykes was in the Bunko squad. They said he was Bunko with. No, he was in the, he he ran Bunko or he did Bunko. Okay. And so I was looking it up because we don't, that's not a thing. Okay, I thought. And it's an informal name for a police department that deals with fraud. So he was the fraud. He was in charge of the fraud department. Okay, I thought he said he was in Bunko with... Well, I guess that that was um, probably how he phrased it. Yeah. But I interpreted it as Bunko as like a slang for partnered with. No. Well, Bunko's a game here, but it's also... I thought maybe it was like bunking. Oh. Like a slang version of bunking with. That's why I wanted to look it up. I was like, is it an acronym? Thank you, honey. For clearing that up. That was he's in the fraud department. So Sykes was in the fraud department. He was in the Bunko department, which is what they keep saying. And we go back to the precinct because Cohen had her day pass expired. She had to go back to her office or she was gonna turn into a pumpkin. So it was like uh it was like the medication Nick took. It wears off after a while. Yeah, it wears (laughs) wears off. And so we go back to the to the office and Skanky is there in his little casual outfit. And Nick is there for once because um, I think it's actually night 
at this point because Nick hasn't taken the medication yet because he's still like in control of himself. Right. And the the guy killed himself like at dusk. Um yeah. Well, we're there. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's because um Burnham was there to meet with Skanky. Burman. Burman. Don't they say Burnham? Burman. The ba- the the uh, internal investigations guy was yes. there because I think because he wanted to meet with Skanky and he wanted to meet with Nick. Um to kind of make sure that they weren't going to follow up on this because he hands the suicide note to Cohen and Cohen's like, oh yeah, it says in here he was on the take. So he was getting money from somebody. He was lining his pockets with illegal money in order to, you know, get certain concessions, whatever. And um, the, the internal investigation guys go, goes really hard. He's like, here's his psych evaluation where they said he was unstable. His wife left him because she got tired of all the beatings. He was actually an asshole. We all fucking hate him. He was already under investigation. And Nick is like, wow, it's really easy to slander a dead cop, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Kind of interesting that you're saying all this stuff now that he's not here to defend himself. And Burnham, Burman, Burman is like, yeah, well, he killed himself because he knew we were onto him. And like, it was going to be prison time for him because he'd already lost everything. And Skanky's like, listen, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I'm done with it. Like, I can't. And that's when he comes out and he's like, um, look, he was my partner. He stood up for me. He like, he took care of me and he could roll a, he could roll a bowling ball like a cruise missile. And that's how I want to remember him. Keep it. It's a copy. Suicide note. Didn't leave us much to go on. Well, Sykes was never much for paperwork, was he? He was a good cop. Guess again, detective. Jimmy Vanetti's been lining his pocket for years. Dead cops are much easier to slander, aren't they? Sykes was dirty. I've got the evidence. Look, your bowling buddy fed himself a hollow point because he couldn't do the stretch. He had the best bunco record in this precinct, three years running. He was hardworking and decent. Somebody tell his wife. She took his kids and moved to Nova Scotia four months ago because she couldn't take the beatings anymore. Come on. Sykes profile from the department shrink. I think, uh... Yeah, unbalanced was the nicest word she used. You might be selling, but I ain't buying. Excuse me, Captain. And so I'm done. I don't want to investigate this. It was clearly a suicide. There's no case here. I don't want to dig because I don't want to find any dirt. Right. He doesn't want to spoil his memory of his friend. Yeah. I mean, we already know Skanky's a bro. He's a bro's bro. Like, he loves his buddies. And he stands up for his buddies. That's what he does when he's at the crime scene. And I love how Natalie comes over and she's like, woo-wee, that's nasty. <laughs> And Skanky's like, oh, I'm going to go see my, I'm going to go see it. She's like, no, Skanky, you don't want to see him like that. You don't want to remember him like that. Natalie, was that the most sensitive way you could have approached this? What the fuck? Like, wow, that looked like shit. Oh, no, you don't want to go over there. He looks really bad. Oh, he's your best friend? Oh, I already knew that. Yeah, my condolences. I mean, come on, Skanky. Uh, come on, Natalie. Really? That's okay. Come on, writers. Come on, right. I know, but we're going to blame it on Natalie. Not... Catherine Disher. She has to say what she was given. You're amazing, Catherine. We love you. No, we're talking about Natalie. Because he was like, you know, he's my buddy. He just does. He just wants him to be his buddy. He doesn't want to hear it. And then we cut to 
Natalie giving some shop talk to Nick. And I feel like the the script here was probably just like tech, tech, medicine, tech, tech, medicine, medicine. Because yeah. she's like, oh, I have a new, my friend, he has this new $10 million toy. Electron microscope. Electron microscope. He gave me some time on it. Here's your RNA. See this thing on your RNA right here? And then she like holds up a, a Polaroid and then puts it back down really quickly. She's like, this thing is abnormal. I think this is what makes you a vampire. And wouldn't you know it, there's this commercially available drug that isn't actually commercially available because it's been discontinued. But somehow I have a really large stockpile of it. Well, she doesn't have a ton of it. Where'd she get it from? She she knows people. She She's knows got connections. People. Okay. Well, it was rejected because of the side effects and the cows or whatever. Yeah, it was an experimental drug yeah. that didn't pass testing. But I think it might work for you, Nick, because as we've established, you're like 85% bovine at this point. So I'm pretty sure I can administer. That's what inspired her. <laughs> she was like, holy shit. Wow. Well, I know his blood is going to be cow based. So this is going to be just <laughs> fine. And so she's like, listen, I've got this little thing. I think it's going to take care of this, you know, mutagen on your RNA this, and we're going to be all right. And so you're going to be okay. A retrovirus is a virus that injects its own DNA into the host's DNA. Yeah. And so, and, and then it can like reemerge later. And so she's implying that vampirism is a retrovirus yeah. that has injected itself into the human DNA. But anytime she tries to extract it, which, how, how are you doing this? Um, CRISPR wasn't around then. You can't just snip <laughs> DNA wherever no, you want it. No, anyway. No. She's a coroner uh, in Toronto. She can do whatever she, she wants. She's really good with Listen, her scalpel. I've been watching... She can cut the sections out of the DNA. <laughs> Listen, I've been watching a lot of Dr. G Medical Examiner, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> she can do that if she wants to, okay? I have all faith in medical examiners now. Dr. G is Natalie. Yeah. Yes, basically. It's so cute. She just got married. I'm sorry. This is gonna, I'm just going to go off and listen. She just got married, and every time her husband is an infectious disease doctor, so every time they bring him on, he calls her his lady wife. Aw. And then my lady wife gave me these samples, and I'm just like, you guys are so cute. <laughs> like, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So she's implying that vampirism is a retrovirus. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, you know, inserted itself into the human DNA, and then this medication, like, binds to it, like, I don't know, epigenetics, whatever, and turns off the vampire DNA section inside the human DNA. Yeah. And she said every time she extracts this vampire virus from the human DNA, it just <laughs> fizzles just away. Disappears. Just yeah. disappears. And so she think she hypothesizes, she probably more on in the realm of speculates, yeah, um, optimistically that <laughs> maybe this medication, when it binds to the vampire virus in Nick's DNA, yeah, will you know, trigger it to like evaporate itself, yeah, and voila, cure. <laughs> But, okay. <laughs> Sounds really good. He's, but he's best like, case scenario is that yeah. it just turns it off. Yeah. And then you need to take more medication to keep it turned off. Right. And he's like, oh, okay, so this is going to work? She's like, yeah, or you'll have a whole new career down on the farm. 
May I ask what it is? I was afraid you would. It was supposed to be a synthetic hormone that would, and uh, how can I put this delicately, enhance beef production. But it was rejected in the test phase. It uh, proved to be lethal. Oh, wonderful. Well, my day in the sun's going to be deadly either way. Or you could have a whole new career down on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there were so many just, you know, off-script jokes yeah. about the cow the, blood. The, the beef production. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's I mean, really, like, historically through the show. It's really telling that at this point, Nick gets launched into a flashback about that time he met a quack doctor who... Tried to cure him. Tried to, quote, cure him, but really was just um, getting a bunch of money from him and then keeping him subdued for his collection. Hmm. I wonder why he madly reminded him of that in that moment. Hmm. hmm. It's really weird. I wonder what part of the RNA DNA situation makes him allergic to crosses. I wonder. Hmm, I wonder how, <laughs> how, how did that retrovirus? Uh, how did that evolve? Okay. All right. It's fine. You know what? Over a long enough timeline, anything is possible. Sufficiently advanced technology is in, indistinguishable from magic. Uh. Okay. And uh, maybe me... this virus is really, really advanced, like yeah. bioweapon. Uh, okay, so from Nick, the future. <laughs> Nick decides to do it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That just took me on a tailspin of like um, Life yes. Force. Like Life Force? We haven't watched Life Force. Maybe we should. It's got Patrick Stewart in it. Vampires from Space. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Nick is like, fuck yeah, let's do this. What's it going to do? Kill me? And she's like, oh. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do one CC. And he's like, okay, what are we looking at for side effects? And she's like, honestly, no fucking idea. <laughs> maybe like, some nausea. He's like, well, it's, you know, similar to endorphins, so maybe it'll make you, like, happy, and you might be a little bit sick, but you'll be too happy to care. And he's like, great, let's do this. So she injects him, and he's like, okay, all right. <laughs> he, like, falls down, falls off the thing. And he's and like, so, oh, no. I, I, <laughs> I appreciated the kind of um, maze on scene here. Um, what was I thinking of? The, I'm trying to remember the word. I appreciate how exemplary this plot is into or of Nick's character, his personality. Yeah. Because she explains all these things like – we're just going to do it and, you know, pay attention. We're not going to, you know, assume what's happening. Yeah. Um, we need to collect data. You know, best case scenario, this does nothing. Or best case scenario is that, you know, this cures you, right? Yeah. Worst case scenario. It doesn't kill you. Is that you don't die. You don't die. Yeah. Um, and... And you just have to like lay down for a little while while you work through it. But we're hypothesizing that this will yeah. change the behavior of this vampire thing in your body. And and we're just going to you know, observe objectively and collect data and see what happens. Yeah. And not try to like get our hopes up too much. And he has his like, 
scene. Yeah. And then he's like, <gasps> Nothing. What do you feel? It's gone. It's gone. The vampire is gone. Yeah. I'm cured. Right. Because she's like, what do you feel? And he's like, nothing. She's like, no. What do you feel? And he's like, nothing. Nothing. And she's like, Nick, talk to me. And he's like, the vampire is gone. And she's like, oh, what? And then he just gets up and yeets out to into the sunlight. He's like, yoink, I'm going out into the sunlight. And she's like, Nick, wait. This is not how you test things. Yet she really tried to prep him, but she forgot she was talking to Zero Chill Nick. Because we haven't seen Zero Chill. We haven't seen Zero Chill Nick in a while. We left Zero Chill Nick back in season one. I mean, for all intents and purposes. And she's gotten used to like cool, calm, collected, wise in the face of danger, keeping everybody on the straight and narrow Nick. She forgot that every once in a while he loses his ever loving mind and does stuff without thinking about it first. Um, and that's what happens is all of a sudden he's like, the vampire is gone. And this kind of harkens us back to what we talked about at length in the I Will Repay episode, which is there is the implication that the vampirism isn't just like I need blood to survive. There is actually like a set of impulses, a dark passenger that he deals with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So he is always trying to act human because everything in him does not want to act right, human. Right, and he's suppressing this this thing that's inside of him that yeah. has urges of its own. He is always actively trying to not integrate his shadow. He's like, <laughs> stay the fuck over there, shadow. And so for once, it's gone. And he is completely free to just be Nick. And so this... This, this is can, Nick. Yeah, this is and this is probably a good Nick. example of how Nick got um, seduced, tied up with the crusade, coerced, not coerced. No, you no. know what? Probably no, his I'm buddy thinking, was like. I'm thinking Nick before, like before he yeah. mentioned that everything. Oh yeah, like you know he's hanging out in. I don't know. He's probably in Wales, right? And that would be France. consistent. He's oh, he's French. from France. Yeah, he's from France. Okay. He's from French. Yes. He's, <laughs> he's from He's from France. French. <laughs> he's from Brabant. The Bra- he's oh, that's right. Brabant. Nick yeah. de Brabant. De Brabant. Yeah, he's French. And so, you know, he's this like happy-go-lucky affluent French guy and his buddy's like, hey, we're going on a road trip. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, yeah, yeah road, road trip. trip. He's like, I get to carry a sword and ride a horse. I do. Am do in. I get to wear armor? Do I get to wear armor? Yes. yes. Dude, dude, we all have matching outfit, matching shirts. <laughs> I'll bring the wineskins. Yes. I'll bring the wineskins. You bring the women. Let's do this. And so they're like frat bro in their way <laughs> to the Middle East. <laughs> And then you just described knighthood <laughs> for <everyone>. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they get to wherever Jeanette and um, Lacroix are. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's on his way back. He's on his way crusades. back from the yeah. Crusades. Okay. So then like Lacroix and Jeanette are probably both hanging out in different parts of the 
like tavern wherever they are. Yeah. And they they see him and both of them simultaneously just to themselves think that's the one. I want that one. <laughs> yeah. And then they look at each other and share a significant glance. Oh, this would be an amazing scene to yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh, maybe we could get like an animated thing of this scene that yeah. I'm fan envisioning. Art. Uh, fan art. Fan art. Yeah. We're on IMDb now. We could get fan art. <laughs> <laughs> and they both look at each other and Jeanette and Lacroix like significant glance, like maybe like slightly telepathic, whatever. Yeah. Like that's the one. Oh yeah. Let's get that one. I want to keep it. Bring him to me. What Jeanette. if? What if? Now this kind of ruins the magic of that moment. But what if Jeanette literally just stood in the middle of the room and Nick was the only one who got up and walked over to her? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else was like, "Oh no, that's playing with fire." And Nick was like, "Uh, I like fire." <laughs> For now. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know what? Okay, anyway. Yes. Back yes. to the episode. I do, I do think this is a glimpse of what got Nick into this problem in the first place, which is Nick is extremely impulsive. Impulsive enough to follow a strange woman out of the room. Impulsive enough for when this dude shows up and he's like, I can make it so you won't die. He's like, yeah, cool. Let's do that. That sounds great. Yeah. I'm not going to think that through. The implications of that are meaningless. Let's just do it. And that's the character who we are with for the majority of the episode. But I do like when they go out and finally Nick is like out in the sun and he stands in the sun for a minute and does not burst into flames. And then they're both like, yes. And he turns around and Natalie's like, we did it. And they like and hug. They, they lock they eyes. Hu- wait, they and- hug. And then they pull back and lock eyes. And Natalie's like, it's going to happen. And Nick leans and in. And Natalie's totally committed to like a deep kiss. And Nick comes in and like Garrett has to like resist all of his impulse to like eat, eat her face. face. And he just like at the last second. Veers. Veers to the side. Oh. Peck on the cheek. Oh. oh I'm sorry, God, Natalie. I felt for Natalie in it that moment. Right. There. Well, this was their. Ch- this was her chance. This is. He's human. The vampire is gone. He's hot. They're both excited. He will literally kiss anything that stands still long enough, and then. And he could have, mm-mm. you know, participated without having to worry about hurting Natalie. Yeah. It was their chance. And apparently, the morgue is closed today because there's nobody there. They're capable of doing all of these long term experiments during the day in Toronto, where I'm. Maybe it's on the weekend. Dr. G does like four to six autopsies a day. Wow. Yeah. There's literally no way that there's nobody in this morgue. Well, oh, okay. This has to be. At least a slow day for the morgue because Natalie is allocating time to work on Nick. We don't think Natalie was just like, put him in the freezer. I'm busy right now. Mm. She doesn't have AIDS. Nothing. Natalie's the only one that works at this coroner's office. Listen, I'm basically an expert right now. I am five seasons in to Dr. I I don't know if there's – my speculation is she's the head coroner. Yeah. And so sh- there are other coroners that take the boring cases. Forensic pathologists. Forensic pathologists. 
Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> it says coroner's office. I think that she's still considered a coroner. It, it, anyway, it's fine. You know what? Suspend disbelief. I'm thinking this is like a weekend and she's not on duty. Mm-hmm. She's just like, hey, guys, I'm taking care of some stuff, just hashing things out. Yeah, with I'm Nick. locking the door, but I just I want you guys to know that it's cool. We're not doing anything weird. Right. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing strange happening. I am absolutely Nick, not Nick, experimenting. Do your thing. <laughs> Yeah, I am absolutely not doing any kind of medical experimentation on a police officer in that room over there. Okay, is everybody cool with that? Great, thank you. <laughs> oh, but then we cut to them driving, which is the thumbnail for this episode. Is Nick and Natalie in the car it, with the top back? They both yeah. got sunglasses in the on. The yeah. sun is shining, and Natalie's like, "Great, cool. I'm glad this is really working out. Now I want you to go home and rest." We'll take a step back. We'll evaluate this, you know, this dose, see how we felt about it, see how we feel about doing it again. And Nick is like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, great. And he's so unconcerned about what's happening around him. He runs a red light. And Natalie's like, oh, my God, you just ran a red light. And he's like, go off. That's great. Write me a ticket. I know some people that can get me out of it. He's just like, what? who cares? This This is the endorphin effect. Is it or is it just Nick? unfiltered nick nick not spending 50 percent of his energy trying not to kill people so we, we maybe nick is a bit of a frat bro masculine douchebag a, a himbo a himbo <laughs> yeah uh, maybe when he's not you know cool and broody and stuff because immediately they go to see jeanette He's like, well, you brought the medicine with you, right? Like, just in case. It's like, I just, ha- I just have one errand to run. Because I, I gotta, I, I want to do like one thing, and I just want to make sure I don't burst into flames or whatever. So, like, let's, let's just, you know, I want to, let's, let's just go stop off and see Jeanette. So they go to see Jeanette, and he opens the the door, and there's Jeanette sitting at the bar, just beautifully sitting at this bar. Oh, yeah. She's got her tassel earrings. I love on. this red dress. It's a pretty red dress. She's got this cool like tassel wrap thing. She's got lace gloves. This is her bed outfit because this is daytime. <laughs> she woke up and came out looking like a snack, clearly, because oh, yeah. she's adorable sitting there. And Nick walks in and he's all tan and disheveled. And he's like, Jeanette, <laughs> good <laughs> Je- news. <laughs> Je- Jeanette's, oh, no. I know. Well, you- Jeanette's been through this, right? It's literally like they picked this guy. You know what? It's like when you adopt a kitten. So my theory is you should never adopt a kitten. Kittens are adorable. Don't get me wrong. Kittens are a crapshoot. Is this kitten going to be beautiful and great and snuggle with me for the rest of its life and we're going to be best friends forever? Or is this kitten going to be an absolute asshole and shit on my kitchen counters? I don't know which. I have met cats that do both. I mean, different cats that do each category there. And when you adopt a kitten... You don't know what you're going to get. When you adopt an older cat, you know what you're going to get. There are, and most of the time, they're super grateful to just be adopted. So here's my, go adopt an older cat. Don't adopt a kitten. They adopted a kitten. They picked Je- up. Jeanette and LaCroix Jeanette adopted a kitten. Adopted a kitten. And they really thought, like, this dude fought in the Crusades. He's on, he's like a warrior. We're going to corrupt him. He's a, a fierce animal. Yeah, we're going to corrupt him. We're going to make him like feral and evil and he's going to fit in and he's going to be so much fun and we're all going to hang out. And that's not what they got. Okay? They got Nick. They got it, this guy. They, they thought they were getting this like 
fierce warrior who was playing at being buddy-buddy with the other knights to fit in. But what they got was the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) They got the (laughs) This guy who was just on a road trip with his buddies. Right. And he was playing the character of being this fierce warrior on the Crusades. And he was just very convincing. Yeah. Clearly a little (laughs) bit too convincing because Uh, uh, they have now gone through 800 years of his bullshit. Okay. So uh, on the note you were just talking about, about her being through all of this, we have a, a friend. A friend, married couple, friends, where the husband is always looking for the next like next thing, thing. yeah. To like, uh, it almost feels like the get rich quick scheme of self improvement. Yeah, and so there's some new thing. There's some new um, meditation. There's some new supplement. Meditation, new supplement, new electromagnetic field generator not kidding (laughs) and and i could just imagine from her perspective like every couple months he will burst into the room excited hey i found this new thing that i'm gonna try out it's gonna do all this stuff it's gonna be amazing and and every time like yeah over the years it's kind of like oh and that's like 10 years of that That's and then eight hundred years later, you're yeah. just like, please don't. But she looks at Natalie and she's like, "What have you done? Did you do this?" And Natalie's like, "I couldn't resist the scientific challenge." <laughs> okay, whatever, Natalie. We all know why you're trying to cure Nick. Yes, scientific. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Let's let's hide behind that. That's perfectly okay. And Nick is. This is basically Nick's baby. It will be different this time. I swear. This time it's going to work. This time it's going to be different. And Jeanette's like, you're such an idiot. She actually tells him, she's like, you're so naive. You're such an eternal boy. (laughs) Oh, Nicola, you're so naive. You're such an eternal boy. (sighs) You think this is going to be different this time? Different than the last 75 times that we've gone through this? It's like a rubber band. We just keep stretching it and then going back to the original position over and over and over again. And I'm tired of it, Nick. And he's like, Jeanette, you could take this too. Like, we need to repeat the results. Don't you want to do this? And she's like, no, I am not ashamed of what I am. I have absolutely no desire to be cured of being this. I like what I am. And you have to imagine from Jeanette's perspective, this is particularly painful she loves Nick, but she's always aware that Nick loves her despite what she is right? and not because of what she is, which is who she is. Yeah. Which is yeah. probably why he gets the, why we, we break up and get together because it's like, maybe this time he'll just see me and we can be together because I'm me and not because I'm right, who but he, he thinks I should he gets- be. He gets consumed by this one facet of a thing that she has rather than being consumed with desire for who she is. Right. Yeah. And it's it distracts from you know, him actually appreciating her. Right. She rather than her vampirism. She can't ever really fall into this relationship because she's never sure 
she can never really trust him. She can never really trust that he's not going to go off and do something like this. And then come and basically say, hey, if you did this, you'd be enough. Do you want to do this? And she's like, no, I'm already enough. Fuck off. And then she looks at I don't need your validation. I don't need your validation. Did you see this? I fucking woke <laughs> up like this. I wake up every morning, Deborah Duchesne. I don't fucking need you. Do you understand me? And then she looks over at Natalie and she's like, I'm sure he explained to you the danger. Didn't he? Did he talk to you about that, Natalie? And Natalie's like, what? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, mm, what? Like uh, the other times he's yeah, tried this? Yeah, she's like, you know, all the other times that this has happened, I'm sure he told you what happened. Yeah, Nick, after they leave, Nick is just kind of dismissing it. Yeah, and Natalie's like, well, oh, she's just, what? She, whatever. What? What? She's just trying to hurt me I love by saying little, words. I, I mean, I like that Nick is our honorable character. We just did the book. Um, the Double Dead, where our main character is just not the hero at all. And it's really interesting when we get these glimpses into how manipulative Nick is of Natalie. Because yes. it's easy to lose sight in how little we actually see them interact, that he is, it would be easy to assume he is not giving her what she wants because he hasn't gotten everything he wants out of their relationship yet. Yeah. And so And he... like most of the time they're genuinely interacting, but when it comes to the thing that Natalie wants and needs the most from Nick, he's withholding. Yeah, because he needs her to stay invested. It's like when you're reading a slow burn romance book. You don't just follow me here. And you can stay like a K-drama and you're in it. And then once they get together, you're like, oh, okay. You know, I'm like, all right. Now we've got the payoff. I'm, I'm less invested in this book than I was when it was the slow burn up to it. So he's keeping her in slow burn mode because he can keep her on a simmer a lot longer than he can keep her on the boil. So, you know, we lose sight of the fact that this is a not a mutually beneficial relationship. She isn't getting anything from him, and he's getting she's, everything from her. She's getting a little bit out of it, yeah. which is an interesting like experiment. She's, but that's not what she wants. That's to be not what she wants. Yes, she's she is getting a little bit of her like scientific curiosity satisfied. Yeah, but you know the deeper things. Yeah, she's not getting, and I think Natalie forgets. That she's not dealing with just another dude. She's dealing with a 800-year-old creature that has done this before. Yeah. That this is not even his 100th rodeo. This is like multiple rodeos past that. And Jeanette, very subtly and very much like a girl-to-girl, -girl, like, watch out for him. I know you're in it. I've been there. I've hit that. I know what you're, I know what you're going through. Um, just remember who he is. Don't lose sight of that. And that's what she said. That's what she's saying when she's like, I'm sure he told you about what happened before. And Natalie, to her credit, does not dis does not dismiss what Jeanette said. I don't know that we ever really establish how Jeanette and Natalie feel about each other. They don't interact enough. But she is not immediately dismissive of Jeanette's warning because as soon as they go out, she's like, okay, Nick, are you going to tell me about it? And he's like, no, it was in the past. It's fine. 
It, it happened a long time ago. It doesn't matter now. Yeah, and and Jeanette is just saying words to hurt my feelings. Yeah, so she's just don't she, don't worry about it. Like she's just trying to poop on our parade, Natalie. Don't let her poop on our parade, right? You want you don't you want this? I'm not wearing. Let me unbutton the first couple of <laughs> buttons on my very highly buttoned shirt because he's got like this. <laughs> collarless like priest collar shirt that he's wearing yeah. and he has it all the way up and then he has the two tiny little buttons buttoned like everything is buttoned this reminds me of our son if it has if it's zipped it must be zipped if it's buttoned it must be buttoned this is exactly what it looks like and she i, I guess forgets about it because then they're driving they park and she's like i'm gonna go in i'm gonna make some notes and then i'm gonna go home like i'm getting tired and he's like cool can you hand me all of the medicine and some syringes please and she's like uh no no nick you need to go home and he's like well what if i don't make it home i've got a couple errands to run what if i'm running around and all of a sudden it hits me and then i spontaneously combust don't you think that put an end to our experiment and that would she's be like, inconvenient it wouldn't be a little inconvenient for you wouldn't it natalie and she's like oh, God. fine fine whatever here and so she hands him and she's like you can take up to this much no more than that and like find your chill okay here you go. And so she hands it off to him, which I don't know what she's thinking. He's clearly not in his right mind. Right. And if she didn't give it to him, well, lo and behold, what if he had to face the consequences of his own actions? What Nick, if? What if? Heaven forbid. What is it? Uh, yeah. What if he actually had to be held accountable for things that he's done? Hmm. Wouldn't that be interesting? And then we go back to Jeanette because Jeanette kind of fills in the middle part of the flashback for us because Nick is remembering talking to the doctor, but she remembers confronting Nick about this because Nick has told this doctor what he is. He's getting ready to like engage in experimentation. This is the opposite of what is allowed by their culture. Right. And Jeanette's like, they're going to find out. And he's like, well, no, we're just not going to tell anybody, which is exactly what he said to her before in the bar. And she's like, you know, we don't keep secrets like our, we, we're like, there's like 200 of us. Like, we're all spilling the tea about each other all the time. It's like a horrible office. Like, we just <laughs> we just share our shit. Okay, we're going to find out. And he's like, it's fine. I don't know. Like, you're always worrying about me. Like, stop. What are you, like, my mom? And she's like, this guy's a charlatan. Everybody knows it. He's a quack. And he's like, whatever. I don't care. I've got the money. I've got the time. He's oh. giving me hope. He's giving me hope. And I like it. Okay. And she's like, oh, Nick, you are such an idiot. And that's where we end her. Basically, she doesn't come back. But, but she's take, also wearing a red dress in the flashback. Can we take a moment to talk about the costumes? Right. Honestly, I know I say it every time, but the flashback costumes are amazing. So I I noted in the flashback this time, it felt, it felt very like vintage horror like vibe yeah where like at the opening of the scene with the red dress um Jeanette walks in from the left and Nick walks straight towards the camera out of the door yeah and they're both looking straight in the direction that they're moving until they get right up next to each other and then they pause and then they look at each other and it's What's like this fog yeah and yeah but it just like the way that they're acting uh, feels very like vintage horror that's style. Because it's a whole Frankenstein vibe with the yes. lab, with yes. the like tubes and the. And I I liked that they're kind of 
casting it through that like style of even filming the episode yeah in a very like frankenstein yeah like hammer horror Quack, or whatever experimentation um, kind of yeah yeah and it it i think it worked really well yeah i thought I mean, especially with the costumes the, the dress and even nick has this like velvet suit on it's fabulous but I digress because then we get back and Nick is, of course, still in his convertible and he's not ready to go home yet. And the sun is starting to get a little bit painful. So he goes in and, and takes another he, hit. The vampire comes back. Yeah. We get the same. We've seen this, this like, I don't know, I don't want to call it a flashback, but this like internal vision of himself turning into a vampire yeah and that's like when the vampire is like activated in his activated. in his mind vampire activated. <laughs> <laughs> so if this is the vampire coming back yeah and the when the medication first worked the vampire was gone i'm just imagining that this like sequence of shots of him internally, like his mind's eye is constantly seeing him like <laughs> mouth open, hissing vampire just on repeat continuously. And like, that's his internal monologue <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> that would be really distracting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we come back and, hey, do you guys remember that Skanky's best friend got killed? Do anybody remember that? Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, plot for this the, episode? Yes, that. Yes. Because Skanky is legit grieving alone because Nick is off this on is a drug trip. This is plot? Yeah. It should be the plot, but it's the subplot <laughs> because he lost his friend. He's grieving. He goes like out it's, to... It's not like the last time he lost an old partner. Yeah. Where his old partner got shot. In... How many partners has he had? Because I feel like he loses more partners than Natalie loses family members. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've already lost at least one. And I know we're going to lose at least another. I don't know. I don't know how okay. it works. I don't know how many but, partners um, you tend to go through. But like this guy that works with Vice that got shot. Yeah. In the previous episode. Like they they hadn't hung out in a long time. They hadn't talked. Yeah. And and Skanky was like really upset that his like old friend partner got killed while they were talking. Yeah. And that's like when they hadn't been like close recently. Yeah. But this guy, like, they still actively bowl together. He like, was in the precinct because we, we see them cleaning off his desk. Yes. Like, he's yeah. still, like, he's an active part of Skanky's, like, day-to-day -day life. Yeah, he's his bro. And, you know, they go bowling probably a couple times a week. And and then he kills himself. Like, that's Skanky's orders of magnitude. through it. Right? Yeah. And Nick is off. On a drug trip, basically. He's literally, off on a bender. Literally, he's, yes, he's yeah. on a bender. Nick's off on a bender. Skanky is looking for a friend. We know he considers Nick one of his closest friends because he could have gone to Sykes' house when he broke up with 
with uh, but Myra. He went to but Nick. He went to Nick, and Nick is um not helpful because Skanky finds like a lens cap or a. I don't think we ever it's clear up what binocular it is. Binocular. They lens. said it could be either thing. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. I found it over there because Nick meets him at the water because Skanky's there where his friend died to kind of process things and just to poke around, even though it's not really his case. And Nick's down at the bench with him. And I think it's interesting. Skanky does not comment immediately. Although we've, we kind of get that off screen they've talked about it because he asks him some questions about him showing up during the day. And he's like, you know, Skanky, I'm not really willing to let this go. I think there's something here. I'm, I'm, I, I really feel like there's something here. And Nick is, or Skanky goes, well, what are we going to look for? Like what, what, who did it? What did it? What, what are we going to look for? And Nick goes, why? We're going to look for why. Why did he do it? Maybe you and I should look into this. Sykes did himself, Nick. All the evidence is there. Look for what? For who? For why? I don't know. I don't know. And Skanky's like, meh, okay. I okay. Mean, you, okay. Yeah, I, I'm willing to go so far with you on this because, yeah. again, I don't want to dig because this I don't want- This is an actively bleeding wound and you are, you know, swirling- yeah, Your and he doesn't it. want to he he has a way that he views Sykes. And Skanky is nothing if not like hopelessly optimistic about how good the people around him are. And he is aware that people are not as good as he thinks they are, but he doesn't like being reminded of that. Right. Cuz he wants to think the best of people. Like he thinks the best of Nick. Right. And so then they're driving in the convertible because Nick is like, well, let's just do one thing. Will you do this one thing with me? And this is when Skanky is like, so you might be cured. And he's, Nick is like, yeah, you know, Natalie's trying out this really experimental medication. I think it's, you know, it might be working. I'm, I'm out it, here in the sun. It might just be, uh, you know, covering up the symptoms yeah. or it might be like actually curing me. Yeah. We're not sure yet. I don't know. And what I love is that Skanky absolutely does not question that the coroner is administering a, um, untested medication to Nick. Well, they've, I don't know how drug trials work in Canada. They've explained to Skanky before. Natalie has, yeah, she rolled a natural 20 on her persuasion check to Skanky (laughs) that, they can't really go to yeah that was an back active in doctor Instinct. yeah about Nick's condition yeah because it's that rare and that and severe he would get kicked off the force that's what they tell him yeah. in Killer Instinct we can't yeah. do the DNA test on him because if anybody finds out what he actually has he won't be able to be a cop right so from Skanky's perspective this is a benign thing to cover up it doesn't actually affect Nick's ability to be a cop he's still I mean he's still. <laughs> he still gets results he still gets gets results let's put it he's, that way he's a closer yeah he's 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 abc he's always, always be closing. closing and from skanky's perspective you know he is a bro he's a bro's bro he likes having male friends and he likes being a good friend to his male friends and from skanky's perspective covering this up for nick is being a bro yeah it's not harming anyone it's not technically that illegal, so it's okay. So he's accepted that, like, there's this weird relationship between Natalie and Nick. It has something to do with whatever Nick's condition is. Okay, I'm good. I don't need any more explanation than that. 
But what they're doing is going to see like the mob Vanetti. boss, Vanetti, at this Italian restaurant. That he owns. That he owns. And so he eats there every day for lunch. They go in and they sit at the table. And Vanetti's like, well, yeah, come on in. Be comfortable. And Nick's like, thanks. Like, <laughs> I, a- I love to cooperate with public, yeah, yeah, public I, you know, servants. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I love to support the police. Financially. And so uh, they're like, okay, so about Brian Sykes. And he's like, "Mm -hmm. yeah, don't know who that is. And Skanky's like, you know, Brian Sykes, head of the Bunko department. You know, you you knew him. Like, I'm sure you interacted with him. And he's like, "Mm, yeah, it's just really not ringing a bell. And honestly, the whole conversation that's happening here gets really murky for me because I'm in so much pain because Nick is like, what are you eating? And he's like, uh, noodles. And he's like, hmm. And he just picks up a fork and starts eating off of Vanetti's plate. Well, Vanetti's like, yeah, like, I'm glad you like it. Like, this is my restaurant. I'm eating a tasty dish at my restaurant. You remark that this smells and looks very good. Yeah. Do you want some? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks really good. <laughs> so then he, <laughs> he eats off his plate. He's eating like the whole time they're talking. He drinks his drink and poor Skanky is just sitting there like, I should not have agreed to this. I should not have agreed to this. This could this could ruin Skanky's career. Yes. This doesn't matter to Nick. It matters a lot to Skanky. And then Nick starts throwing out some really wild accusations. He's like, yeah, so was Sykes on the take? Were you paying him? And Vanetti's like, what? No. Like, you cops don't really understand the nature of my business. You think that I, like, hire cops. I, like, I pay off cops or whatever. But that's not me. That's not what I do. And he's like, oh, yeah, so you're not you're not working with Berman? You don't pay him off? And Skanky's like, you know what? I think it's actually time for us to leave. Thank you, mister. Actually, he gets up. Vanetti yeah. gets up. He's like, um, you've crossed a line. Um, you come in here. You eat off my plate. You come to my house. <laughs> Today, on the day of my lunch, you come here <laughs> and you eat from my noodles. And um, yeah, I'm really not interested in talking to you anymore. Thank you, gentlemen. Good day. And he leaves. And he, he tells Nick, um, you can go ahead and finish that. Like, enjoy. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, politely. Like, you you can finish that. Enjoy it. It's on the house. Yeah. From Vanetti's perspective, this is a giant dick swinging move. Nick comes into his restaurant that he owns, asks him direct and uh, almost like inappropriate questions on this unofficial visit that they are not even on a real case. And he starts eating off this dude's plate. This is the it's like that scene I told you about in Being Human, where the guy like puts his hand on the dude's face and then sticks his finger in his mouth. Yes. And it's this really weird power move power move. It's not from Nick's perspective. He's just like, he's literally high and he can't help it. Yeah. But he's got the munchies. He's got the munchies. Exactly. <laughs> because then we leave and we cut to like a hot dog stand and he gets a hot dog and he's like putting like ketchup and mustard on the hot dog together. He like grabs both bottles yeah. and the lady's like, okay, that's two forty five, And he's like, well, it's free for cops. And he just walks off and it's cakey hands the lady a bill. And he's like, I'm sorry. My partner has lost his mind. <laughs> I'm going to go after him right now. <laughs> on the house right a couple of cops here don't mind my partner he's lost his mind keep the change and this is when we get like nick's whole theory nick breaks it down for skanky and he's like listen 
Uh, Burnham, Berman and Sykes used to be in the precinct that's like Vanetti's stomping ground. Right. They were in Bunko together. And they were in fraud. So, you know, they would have interacted with Vanetti. And like maybe Sykes was on the take and he didn't want to be on the take anymore. Maybe he didn't want to be on the take and they were trying to pressure him into being on the take. Maybe, and maybe dis- Berman has been on the take this whole time. Yeah, maybe and he Sykes discovered and like he was blackmailed into doing what he had to do or whatever. And you know what? We don't ever actually clear that up. We don't ever really talk about why Sykes killed himself. Right. We solve like the underlying case. We we slightly conclude that Berman was there watching Sykes, like yeah. to make sure that Sykes followed through. Yeah, but on we this don't thing he was supposed to be doing. Why. But we don't. We, we don't do... just like info dump at the end and explain. Like, connect all the dots. No, we do get when Vanetti stands up, he goes, listen, I'm sorry about what happened to your to your friend Sykes and his family. Yes. So one can kind of conclude that his fa- well, his family's missing, too, because his family right. left. Right. So I this is what I called out when um, while we were watching the episode, when they said that his family left, like his wife left. Because she was sick of the beatings. Yeah. I was like, oh, they they kidnapped his family and took them away. Yeah. And then threatened him, like, you need to, like, make this, write this suicide note or, like, sign this suicide note that we wrote. Yeah. And then actually follow through shooting yourself in the head. If you don't, we kill your family. Yeah. I mean, I think that's as fair as anything because we don't ever really, we don't ever really talk about it. Yeah. yeah, we don't get a good wrap up on that. But Nick is really going. He's like, you know, I think they're both. This, this is what could be. Like, you know, I think Vanetti's in on this. I think Berman is in on this. I mean, Berman is internal investigations. He should never be the first officer on the scene. Yes, he said he was following him, but how come nobody knew that this investigation was even happening? And he's just like. He's wildly pontificating about this. He's like, because you know you said your friend would never commit suicide. And Skanky's like, yeah, but how well do we really know anyone? Is he talking about Sykes? Or is he talking about the dude like Matt Farrell eating this hot dog as they're walking down the the sidewalk? Who then stops mid-sentence to watch this woman in a sundress? Ogle. Ogle, Ogle this woman from, walking by. From Skanky's perspective, Nick's just walking along and then boom, like just creepy ogling this woman the entire time she walks past. And then he turns, follows her as she walks by, and then watches her walk behind them as well. And Skanky's like, just looking at Nick the whole time like, what is going on? What is wrong with you? And you know what? Skanky knows Nick is an addict. Yes. Because Nick told him about that in yes. the episode where Nick tried out AA for like three days. Yeah. When he was like, look, Skanky, I, I, I wanted to tell you first because you're my partner, but I'm an addict. And he at first was dismissive. Remember, he's like, no, you're not. No, you're fine. You're, you're Nick. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. I want my image of you to be intact, just like right. he like he's doing with Sykes. And then eventually when Nick goes through his like bender, which nobody ever explains to Skanky ever because he just thinks that nick got really drunk almost killed a woman we don't you know something in that nature and then solves the case well well on a better i guess that that adds uh even more depth 
to yeah. this episode is that Skanky does know that Nick's an addict. And, yeah. And so now Skanky's like, oh, no. Shit, he's on. He's back on whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Because nobody ever explained it to him. Nobody explains what's happening right now either. Because all he knows is he's taking this light of uterine B. This and, experimental Yeah, drug. and he knows that's what he's taking. And somehow Nick is like, you know, he, Nick has an addictive personality. He's immediately addicted to the feeling of being on this drug. Yeah. And Skanky recognizes it because Skanky's not dumb. Skanky is good at reading people. And he can tell something is up with Nick. Well, what Nick is doing, actually, is fantasizing about killing this woman. Right. Seeing himself become a vampire and biting her and killing her. And then he's like, you know what? Actually, I think I'm going to go home. And he hands Skanky his, the rest of his hot dog and leaves. And when he gets home, he's like freaking out and really sweaty and all tan and disheveled and he like pulls the blood bottle out of the refrigerator and he drinks a whole bunch of it and then he's like oh whew, okay well now that i feel better i really think i should inject half of this bottle into my body right now so he like rips open the syringe he pulls as much as he can out of the bottle he injects it into himself and then he like collapses on the floor like oh, yes yes and then human. Who should walk around the corner? Yeah. How did he get in there? <laughs> Has he just been creeping in there all day? I'm always here, Nicholas. You know what it is? The fucking skylight. <laughs> he came in there. It's, it's on a hinge. Yeah. He goes, good, good night, Nicholas. And he's like, or should I say, good day. <laughs> this has got to add insult to injury. You're on a bender. You're having like a sweaty withdrawal panic yeah, you're attack. You're on a come down from, from the drug. And then... LaCroix shows up and we get kind of a flashback here about his treatment. This is kind of a, it's a short shrift flashback. It's really just to give us a flashback for the episode. We don't yeah. even really know what the treatment is except like leeches. Maybe. I don't know. They're bleeding him out. This guy's bleeding him out. And he's like, um, yeah, we're purging the, the corruption from your system or whatever. And you know what occurred to me when Nick took the giant dose of medicine is Nick is maybe a little bit suicidal himself because consequences yeah. be damned. He, what he's thinking, what he's remembering is him saying, um, I need this. Like I, I can't stay like this anymore. He would literally rather right. die than continue to be a vampire. Yes. And, I guess one could say that seeking out mortality is slightly suicidal in and of itself because he's looking for a way to grow old and die. But he wants to live and right. then die. But LaCroix shows up, of course, to layer on the shame. He's just been like, you know, he's been sitting by the piano. He watched TV for a little while. He's been waiting for Nick to come home for, he, you know, he heard the elevator. He switched off the TV and he ran and hid behind the refrigerator so that he'd be ready. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this reminds me of the, another flashback. Yeah. Where LaCroix like, yeah, if this is hell. Yeah. Then, uh, what what was the line? Oh, he's like, uh, then I love it. Like, uh, give me hell. Then, are you talking about yeah. the one where he? It's the one where he's like incrementally feeding on that woman. Yes, 
Yeah, and then he ends up killing her. And he's like, well, if this is hell, then, like, call me a demon because I fucking love it here. He's like, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Then let me be damned, I think he says. If this is hell, then let me be damned because I like it here. Yeah. Yeah. And so his line here with Nick is very similar. Yeah. If this is the cure, then give me the disease. He's like... (laughs) LaCroix, Jeanette accepts what she is. They're kind of the whole spectrum. Nick can't accept anything about what he is. He thinks of himself as a human with a disease. Jeanette knows she's a vampire, and she accepts that. LaCroix fucking loves being a vampire and doesn't just accept but revels in the power that it gives him. And this is interesting because this is another one of his... LaCroix sees himself as a dad. He sees himself as like major dad energy. (laughs) (laughs) I was on a work trip last week and we went to uh, Disneyland and coworker brought their like four-year-old daughter. But then one of the coworkers with us told me later that I had like major dad energy. Like, well, I am a dad. Thanks for asking. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, totally. that checks out. <laughs> yeah, and this is how LaCroix sees himself as a father. And his son is in pain. His son is well, always and struggling. Nigel Bennett said in an interview. Yeah, like, I just how think you... of them as my children. Yeah, yeah. Like, and how do you like bring up that whole vibe that you do yeah. that works so well? And he's like, yeah, I just imagine Nick and Jeanette as like my actual children and like as LaCroix, I'm giving them parental guidance, and that sets the whole tone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I got distracted. But he's a little bit of a... Uh, he doesn't know how to be a good dad. Right. He's a little bit of a toxic dad. Oh, yeah. Where he's, he's enjoying... It's like, like the worst... He's enjoying the I told you so a little bit too much. It's like the worst version of the boomer dad, if your boomer dad is like... Roman like (laughs) (laughs) like I grew up in a time when yeah the man was not just the center of the house but they literally had like governance over the people in the family yeah yeah and not only that but he was a general like an army general so he's got got a lot of stuff and he is absolutely not unpacking any of it because he is completely content with who he is he doesn't feel the need to improve himself what is there to improve on? This is perfection. Yeah. I'm the best fucking dad there could possibly be. And Nick is just the worst son. This isn't a reflection on me. This is a reflection <laughs> on him. And I mean, he's trying. He's really trying because Nick is in pain. Nick is going through it. Nick is suicidal. He's willing to die for this cure. And Laquan knows it. And that's why he steps in in the only way he knows how. But we get back to that because then we cut to Natalie and Skanky at the precinct because Skanky is like, Natalie, what the fuck did you do? And Natalie's like, oh, God, I think I've made a mistake. I mean, what did he do? And Skanky says he's got one of his famous gut feelings. But that gut feeling is that hot dog eating. <laughs> It's like a bad hot dog. I just love the implication that he has a rep for just going with his gut feelings. And I mean, they generally pan out, which is probably why they've become famous, not infamous. And then uh, Natalie is like, this is this is bad. Like shit has hit the fan. 
I was not warned about how much of a dick he was going to be. All I saw was like, maybe if I cure him, we can finally go out on a real date. And I, she just lost perspective of what could happen when you give someone who clearly has an addictive personality something that could become addictive. Yeah. And then we go back because it's LaCroix and he's like, a father knows when his children are in pain. You have merely... Oh, he's like, how did you find out? Yeah. It's like, how did you find out? He's like, ah, Jeanette, Jeanette told you. Jeanette told you, didn't she? And he's like, no, Jeanette didn't need to tell me. Jeanette, Jeanette's like, yeah, I told him. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I love this line. A father knows when his children are in pain. <laughs> and he's like, you've merely, tra- you've traded one dependence for another. And Nick is like, yeah, well, watch this. And he opens the, the, his blinds and he's standing in the sun. He's like, nah, 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 nah. look what I can do. <laughs> look what I can do. And so LaCroix walks into the sun and he's like, you don't get it, do you? It's like, we are each other. We are each other. You will always be mine. Eternally. You will always be mine. Oh. Uh, um, chill, chill out a little, LaCroix. I think you could stand to read a book about parenting. Maybe yeah. take a minute. Look, it's important to treat children like sovereign individuals and like they have a choice, even if it's a limited choice. And I'm pretty sure telling him that um, he will never be free of you because you fucking love him so much. It's not, it's not health. Okay. It's just, just not health. There's a little, uh, there's some kind of attachment problem here. Right. And Nick gets out of this. I don't know how Nick gets out of this, but he leaves. He goes to go see Natalie because he needs more medication. And he's confronting her in the morgue. And he really almost assaults her. This gets a little physical because he grabs And her. it only gets interrupted because Skanky shows up. Yeah. Skanky walks in on them and Skanky's like. Skanky's um, like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting something. And Natalie like runs over to yeah. Skanky and is like, oh, no, no, no. No. no please don't leave. Please don't leave. It's stay, fine. You can stay. Stay. Yeah. Stay. Yeah. He needs some kind of accountability. Although he could kill us both. Which should be a wake up call for Nick. That, it should be. Should yeah. be a wake up call for Natalie. Well, yes. Because I think Natalie has forgotten that Nick is always not killing her. Right. Yeah. And poor Skanky doesn't even know how much danger he's in. Right. He thinks Nick is just, he's going through. Tripping. He's going through it. And he doesn't realize that Nick going through it could lead to homicide. Multiple. I, I think Nick is with going his teeth. with his teeth. Really, like for realsies with his teeth. Not the other kind of homicide where he just kills people. You know, right. Just <laughs> apparently doesn't count. Um, I think there's a multi-layered thing happening here because I think one, Nick is like he's addicted to the feeling of being free. And I think he's addicted to the feeling of being free. And simultaneously, when Natalie tells him, no more drug. You're done. I'm cutting you off. I'm locking it in this glass-fronted cabinet that literally no with one, a little tiny padlock. No one will ever be able to get into. <laughs> you could break it with your mind, but that's fine. I'm trusting you to have this. That this this is enough of a barrier that you'll at least stop and think about what you're doing. I think that's what she's yeah going for. Um, she could have popped them all open and poured them out if we're clearly not gonna. But that's fine. It's fine. Um, I think he's when he hears that. Um, he gets triggered. 
because to him, this is more coercive control. This is more, we are each other. I control you. You are mine. Right. He's interpreting this as the same message that LaCroix was giving. Yeah. You only get what I give you. You don't get to get anything I don't want you to have. And so this is a very incendiary situation. And luckily, Skanky breaks it up because I don't know what would have happened to Natalie if Skanky had not arrived. And I think that that's a lot to unpack in a 90s episode because, of course, we're never going to talk about this again. But Nick is a little bit emotionally abusive to Natalie. Yeah. Just a little bit. And... I know we don't dwell on it a whole lot because for one, it's 90s. It is very 90s. I mean, this is, we just talked about Revenge of the Nerds with, I just talked about Revenge of the Nerds with Meg and there's a rape scene in there and it's framed as like comedic. It's the one where he's wearing a helmet. cheerleader? Yeah. He's wearing the helmet. Yeah. And she thinks he's her boyfriend and he's not. Yeah. And they have sex because she believes he's somebody he's not. And it's it ends up like, oh, it's okay. He was so good at sex that like I'm dating him now. That's right. that's sexual assault. And you know, I think there was the understanding, but also it was like it was just a tone deaf period. Right. You know, there wasn't a way I don't know how to phrase this, but it it wasn't treated with the same level of, um, this is not cool. This is not something that we could joke about. This is a serious thing. And if we make it comedic, we take away what it actually means. Right. I mean, we Nick, almost normalize it. Yeah. Nick puts his hands on her, he grabs her. And earlier in the episode, we already had the like cheek kiss, which isn't necessarily emotionally abusive, but the fact that he keeps. Pushing he's her. leading her on. He pushes her and then he love bombs her. And then he pushes yeah. her and then he love bombs her. And that's narcissistic, um, abusive behavior. Like in the episode, only is it the only the lonely where he sends her flowers and then he sends her perfume? Like he keeps insulting her, breaking into her apartment mm-hmm. and like yelling at her in front of a boyfriend, another like potential suitor, and then sending her flowers. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the definition of. Okay, but let's just put our context lenses on. We'll move past it. Of course, we're never going to talk about it again. This is just a symptom of what Nick is like when Nick is going through an addiction. And it might be why he is seeking so hard to no longer be a vampire. Because when he is probably when he's fully in his vampire addiction, when he is like killing people with his teeth, Mm -hmm. he's this asshole. Yeah. And maybe we could frame it more like the Spike character arc where Spike is starting to become a better person and then he almost sexually assaults Buffy and he ends up leaving to go be to get a soul because he can't stand the person he is. Right. So let's let's do that. Let's frame it more as this is what Nick is trying to not be. This is what he's trying to cure, not just being a vampire. This the way that he acts when he is in his addiction. All right, there we talked through it. I talked through it. Thank you for sitting there and looking at me while I did Welcome. it. But I do love Skanky's sad little, will someone please tell me what is going on? Because Nick storms off. 
and it's just him and Natalie. And Natalie's like, oh, my God, thank you. And Skanky's like, what just happened? Is anyone going to tell me what just happened? No, no, nobody's going to. Then Nick goes to the precinct, which at this point, pre- he looks wild. And he shows yes. up at the precinct. He's- Increasingly and no, disheveled. Nobody says anything. They're just like, oh, sup, Nick. You know, it's a testament to how weird he probably is at Except any other time. He runs into Berman. Right. And he, he throws the lens cap at him. He's yeah, like, well, Berman's like I heard you were worked the graveyard shift. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm just I'm working on something special. Working on oh, a case of my own. By the yeah. way, uh digging up something like really bad. Yeah. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, you dropped this flick. Yeah. Throws him the lens cap. And Berman gets this like. Hmm. Look. And then we go back to the flashback. Blah, blah, blah. The quack's tying him down. And he like shoves a cross in his face. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. We moved on. There's yeah. no Jeanette in it. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> and then important. he's at home. And he's like processing. Processing. <laughs> and he gets a phone call. And it goes to voicemail course because he never picks up his phone it literally rings once and then it goes to voicemail yeah and it's jimmy vanetti and he's like meet me at the lake in one hour come I, along. you want the whole story you, i'll give it I'll to you i'll tell you the whole I got story it. you come i'll tell you and he's like great and then he shoots up i don't know half a gallon of the stuff and then he's like all right all right all right i'm going and then he well no he doesn't because he's got to go break into Nat's cattle ca- cabinet he goes to the coroner's yes. office to break into the cabinet and he can't open it it's like a aluminum and glass. Because he's like human. Yeah, right I now. guess. He ends up using her scissors to like pry open the lock. Yeah. Why did it not have an in the door lock if it's a medicine cabinet? Um, oh, there was a plot device oh, in the cabinet oh, that stopped yeah. a like in a built in lock from gotcha. being attached. And gotcha. so it just has like the latch yeah. thing with the padlock. Luckily, syringes, light of uterine B, the little tourniquets, everything everything's he needs. right there. Yes, the whole kit, the whole kit and caboodle, one might say. He's just like, shwoop. Shooks it off into his pocket and he leaves. And then we cut to Natalie telling Skanky about Nick's special condition, which I think is really interesting because they're walking into Nick's apartment because they're looking for him. And she's he's like, man, I really hope this stuff doesn't hit the streets. And Natalie's like, honestly, it would kill anybody else who took it. Nick has a special constitution. Yeah, it's uh, he's got a special constitution, but it would kill any normal person. And Skanky's like, okay. I really don't know how we all thought we were just going to be able to keep saying this kind of stuff in front of Skanky, and he was literally never going to connect the dots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we cut to Nick, because Nick is at the Vanetti meeting, which he's just sitting down by the water with his top down. <laughs> come on, pretend like they're not going to shoot you. And then Vanetti shows up, and he's like, hey, come over here. And so Nick gets out of the car, walks over to the open window, and he goes, here's your truth. And he, like, leans back and Berman, Berman reaches him. around and, and shoots him. Bang, bang, right in the belly. Yeah. And Vanetti's like, somebody clean up this trash. Let's go get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to Nick and Skanky getting in the car, or Natalie and Skanky getting in the car. Oh, and Nick is like bleeding out on the ground. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. He's going to be all right. He's gonna be all right. And, and then- so the, the henchman uh, puts that hunk in the trunk. <laughs> he does. Hey, did you know we have a merchandise store? <laughs> I, I added a link on YouTube. Oh, good job, honey. Thank yeah. you. So anyway, um, Natalie and Skanky have listened to his voicemail. Thank goodness. And thank goodness he made it go to voicemail. Otherwise, he should have written the letter in like crayon. It's like Bonetti. <laughs> One hour. <laughs> written at <laughs> 5.18 p.m. Yeah, 
I'm alone. And so the, anyway, they hear it and she's like, oh my God, we got to go to the docks. And so they go down and get in Skanky's car. And then there's a drive-by shooting, which they just killed. They just killed Nick. So I don't know who they were trying to kill at Nick's apartment. Unless they were I think, following. I think Skanky. I think they were trying to take out Nick and Skanky oh, simultaneously. Could be. Like they could have been following Skanky. Yeah. So they shoot up the car and Natalie's like, oh, I'm fine. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm good. And Skanky's like, good, because we got business to take care of. So Skanky, being a bro, immediately drives into danger with backup. He does not go alone. Hey. Because Skanky's an actual cop. He I don't knows. know if anybody knows that or not. Like, when when someone's shooting at Nick and Nick and Skanky, Nick's yeah. like, no, nah, we got this. I'm the backup now. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> I'm the backup. <laughs> <laughs> and because he knows he can take care of it. Yeah. And backup would only increase the chances that someone sees him do something um, that right. they shouldn't see. But Skanky's like, well, I'm not a like dark superhero. So I need like actual other people. Right. Real backup. So and he knows that he's dealing with like mob mafia whatever yeah organized crime and and that he's heading into an incident so he brings back some extra cops yeah yep oh, look at that we get a little bit more flashback here and it's nick is getting rescued because jeanette has killed the the doctor right because the guy had strapped him down and like had had him subdued why is every place they go in a basement they have to walk down to get into the Raven. They have to walk down to get into this lab. It's because it's in Toronto. Okay, maybe. What? Is that like is that a feature? Under, underground is warmer. Okay. All right. Oh, oh, okay. I don't think this is happening in Toronto, but that's fine. Well, and all the filming's in Toronto. Yeah, but Jeanette's waking him up, and then they're leaving, and like, LaCroix holds out his hand, and Nick takes his hand, and he like pulls Helps him, him up the stairs. And, and LaCroix sees them as a family. Yes. He really, really does. And that's why he puts up so much shit from Nick. Because anybody else, I think he would have just staked and traded up. LaCroix loves his family. Yeah, he does. He really does. Whether his family always loves LaCroix is different. But you know what? They always love him. Do they always like him? Not necessarily. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And then we come back to the present. And they have driven Nick's car to the water. And he's in his own trunk. He, again, yes. He is he's a, finally in the trunk, but somebody else put him there. <laughs> Luckily, because what if it had worn off and they just left him? Literally, if they just left him out, they would have had no evidence. He would have just disappeared. Right. Yeah. Whoops. And then he, like, they open the trunk and he, like, whoosh, like, he winks out of the trunk. <laughs> and this guy's like, whoa, <laughs> where did he go? <laughs> And so he like turns around and Nick's like, it me, I'm behind you. And he turns around and then he like flying tackles the guy. And when he stands up, this dude is dead. Like blood dripping down his like, face. Like dead, dead. Like uh, I'm keeping up with the trend. I think we're left to assume that Nick kills him, but doesn't use his teeth. Yeah. But we don't ever address that. No, we don't. Just like we don't know if like, he killed the dragon and how, the fire inside it. How do they explain? Like, how does Skanky write this report? I don't know. Where, Straight up fiction. Like, multiple cops show up. 
they they see like Berman and Vanetti in the car together, and like Berman has a silenced gun. Yeah. Are, do does Nick say? Oh yeah, they killed me, stuck me in my own <laughs> trunk, drove me here, but I was just pretending. I got better. I got better. <laughs> <laughs> and then I subdued the henchman no, and Skanky no. showed up. You really want to go down this rabbit hole? All of these cops show up. Nick is there. Nick got shot in the stomach and was laying in a pool of his own yes, blood. That's where I was about to he get to. He should be covered in blood. Then he was put in his own trunk, which should now have blood in it. Lots of blood. Lots of blood. He should be very evident that he was shot. And nope, we're not going to Maybe he has a spare suit jacket. Just took that jacket maybe. off. But you know what he did? You should see the other guy. Literally, they're right, there. <laughs> they're right there in the car. But it's all his blood. For some reason, Vanetti and Berman have followed this guy to the like place where he's going to dispose of this body. Maybe Berman wants the car. I don't know. It's a nice car. It's a nice car. Because uh, they were going or to Or they get were going to drive the car into the water, too. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that uh, that was a joke. I'm just trying to explain how they all, why they all like carpooled. Oh, oh, oh. Why yeah. did we carpool to body disposal? I don't know. But they drive up and Nick is just standing there and they're like, oh, that son of a bitch. Ram him. And so they drive at him and Nick just goes, <laughs> jumps over the car. And so now we have Vanetti <laughs> and Berman who both saw Nick get shot in the parking lot. He kills him. It's fine. Because then they accelerate to try to get him and he just steps to the side and they ram into a tree. Right, but we have, like, aftermath. We're just adding to the list of people who have seen Nick. I think we're supposed to assume Vanetti and Berman die. You don't think so? No. Oh, yeah. No. Okay, we can add this. to. We haven't gotten to add anybody to our list in a really long time. You know why? Because he's just been killing witnesses. That's why. Yeah. Um, I guess this would be 19. I think we ended on 17. So this is 18 and 19. Yeah. And these are some high-profile people. This is an internal investigations, like, highly respected cop and the mob boss who are both going to be like, we shot that dude. And, and he, he got up. He literally flew out of the way of our car twice. We saw it. We can corroborate our own story without us actually being able to, like, talk it through. If it's just one person, right. then they can – you can say, oh, it was, you know, the stress of the moment, whatever, and their mind filled in the yeah. gaps and they're just – making stuff up but two people with the same story yeah uh, mm. yeah but natalie oh she's with skanky that's why so she hops out and she like runs up to nick like are you cool and nick does the like yeah i'm cool can't you tell look at my fangs <laughs> he just does like a little but, fang flash so here's, thing. <laughs> here's what i imagined in this situation yeah so the medic the medication's wearing off right he's having like a reaction like come down from it yeah and he can't like um like when he was with skanky with the hot dog yeah and he checked his eyes yeah and um his eyes were vamped out i was happy to see the green eye contacts come back can we just take a moment the glowing eyes are like cool or whatever but the green eyes are where it's at so I'm glad yeah. they came back go ahead and so but he's Probably he can't turn his eyes back. Yeah. Right? He's 
he's stuck. Yeah. He's got this he's freaking uh, the fuck out. Yeah. And in in the um the scene where Natalie's like, "Are you cool?" Nick, you know, kind of smirks at her and flashes his fangs. I'm like, he doesn't say anything. Maybe he can't like retract his fangs right now. <laughs> yes, and I'm that, fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, here's here's a like uh, the like safety information that's said really fast at the end of some commercials. Like, if you have an erection for more than four hours, <laughs> go see a medical professional. Like, but with fangs. <laughs> and so he's like, they're out for like. You know, hours. Natalie, they won't go back in. <laughs> Natalie, I can't get them to go back in. <laughs> It'd be like, okay, in True Blood, which I don't like love, love True Blood, but in the first season of True Blood where he accidentally takes vampire blood and he has an erection for so long and he keeps masturbating to try to get it to go away and he ends up with a blister on his penis. Yeah. He's like, oh no, my bo- my boy. <laughs> <laughs> And they have to go to the doctor and get yeah, it drained. Get and it the doctor's drained. like, it's cool. We see this pretty regularly now. Yeah. Too much vampire blood? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you you should only be doing like a couple drops of that at yeah. a time. Hysterical. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Yes. Uh, I think he's just trying to reassure Natalie, but now I want it to be because he can't retract them and he's trying to interact normally with everyone because there's a huge amount of right. cops. And so that was compounding on my like imagining the follow-up on on the scene where they need to get statements from everybody. Yeah. And Nick, like, can't actually talk. He's just like, mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Natalie's just like, yeah, Skanky, he's... Um, it's fine. I'm just going to take him. He needs to lay down, you know, this medication reaction thing. Yeah. Um, we'll get his statement later. Don't worry about it. And the yeah. other cops are like, why are we letting them leave the crime scene? <laughs> 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 well, if they're all from the 96 precinct, they're probably all like, okay, bye, Nick. Hope you feel better. It's yeah. cool. See you later. Because, God, I mean, honestly, who couldn't figure that out? It wouldn't be that hard. He's lucky there aren't real vampire hunters. Yeah. Except for that one guy in Bad Blood. Yeah. Who only knew he was a vampire because he could, like, sense vampires. Honestly, you just have to talk to somebody. Oh, yeah. He only comes in at night. And there was that one time we went to the church and he like passed out in the church. It was so weird. And then and a then, bunch of people said they've seen him fly. Yeah. And he just really seems to like a lot of people die when he goes to apprehend them. It's so weird. And we've had like, oh, I don't know, nine, 19 people who've come in and said that like he has glowing eyes and he can fly and he has fangs and shit. It's so weird. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a thing. I don't know. They were all high. On the same yeah. exact drug, and they had the exam- same exact hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> but we wrap he up. He has a certain effect on people. <laughs> I, ha- I have a certain aura, okay? <laughs> people say it's uh, evil. I don't know. It's weird. So we get, like, some wrap-up because it's Nick, and he's back in his vest, so we know he's back to himself. And then we get skanky. The vest is symbolic of him keeping the vampire contained is it is it thank you yep it's canon now (laughs) and skanky has framed the photo because did we all remember that skanky's friend got killed (laughs) (laughs) we all forgot again um but he like frames this photo 
that this guy has drawn on. His suicide note photo. And he puts it on his desk. And he's, like, crying. He wipes a tear. You know, because that was his buddy. Yeah. And honestly, we don't know why he died. I mean, we kind of know the circumstances leading up to it, but we don't know why why he was forced to commit. Like, was he forced to do that? We don't really... I don't really wrap that up. We got too caught up in the Nick drama. Nick Nick made it about him. Typical narcissist. Made God it about damn it, Nick. God damn it, Nick. And we didn't get to actually I mean, we solved a case. I guess. Honestly, we didn't really get the only thing we got was Berman and Vanetti in the car together. Unless Nick's willing to testify that they shot and killed him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't really that's why I'm thinking it's supposed to be like they were killed. Because that's the only way this wraps up. Otherwise, I mean, this looks really bad for Nick because his car is there. There's a dead dude by his car and Nick and and Vanetti and Berman were fleeing from his car. And we have witnesses that can say Nick came to talk to Vanetti and like acted super aggressively when he went to go talk to Vanetti. Plus, Nick has been acting super erratic. This looks really bad for Nick <laughs> if you unpack this shit, okay? So we're not gonna. Isn't and, it nice? And we'll just we'll just credit this like masterpiece police report to Skanky. Yeah. Even in his distraught morning state, he can still pull off the police report that keeps him and Nick clean. Yeah, he should be a writer. He should have written the show. Skanky probably would have written the show better than the writers that wrote this show. I mean, I like the show. It's fine. I don't, I don't want to like disparage the writers. It's fine. They were of their time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's fine. I would say most of the most of the issues where we need to make sure we're wearing our context lenses are an emergent um, emergent themes by the writers because of the you know the time and society that they lived in if we knew better but we didn't do better i'd be mad yeah but we didn't know better yet so if we reboot this let's not have the native american mysticism episode cool like i mean i think that's not so much to ask yeah yeah so that's our episode the fix you made it this is probably one of the most Hard to watch for me because of the secondary embarrassment and because Nick is so unhinged for half of this episode. But it's got moments. I feel like it had moments. What did you yeah. think? Um, I mean, obviously it was, there was something here because we've been talking for an hour and 45 minutes. Yes. Well, I have it on good authority that there is at least one fan who wishes we could, we, we wouldn't mind if we talked for three hours. Yeah. So. I think that's we can just talk however we want. It's our podcast, honey. We're yeah. on IMDb now. Woohoo. <laughs> I could be so. using that for weeks. <laughs> like, oh, you know, uh, well, now that I have my credit on IMDb, mm-hmm. I want to see if I get accepted. Like, if I get to add myself to my own property <laughs> or if I have to provide proof that I am me, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought this was good. It was, um, this, there there were awkward moments. Yeah. But I think there was a lot of There was a lot of meat to this episode. Yeah, yeah we had a lot to talk about. And it was hidden behind the kind of shallow like drug trip. Yeah. Stuff. And it it wasn't meat in the way that baby baby was 
meaty because baby baby was just like what the fuck who doesn't who doesn't click who's like oh my god you want immortality hell yeah baby i'll make you a vampire and she's like no no i wanted to be pregnant what the fuck um that was a whole thing that was a different thing this was more of like a oh okay is this who nick is is nick actually like Maybe he's one the, of those the dudes. The frat boy himbo. Yeah, that knows he's an asshole and is trying to not be an asshole, but always reverts to an asshole in times of crisis. Yeah. You know, there are people that are, I mean, everybody's born with, what is it? You don't raise children. No, how's it, how's it phrased? It's like, you don't get to decide what your kids are like. Right. That's you are not, you are not an engineer that designs your child yeah. and shapes them. You are like, a shepherd or what what do they you just guide them yeah because they come out already themselves yeah they come out with a personality yeah and it's a you know it's a genetic combination of up to like over a hundred different factors that can go back as far as your grandparents so it's this mishmash it's a soup you know it's personality soup you don't know what you're gonna get you're adopting roll the dice you're adopting a kitten every time you have a child you don't know and nick isn't a child who was adopted by a father who did not know how to guide him. And he was someone who... And was who, trying to engineer yeah. the person that he wanted Nick to become. Right. Rather than cultivating the person that Nick is. Right. He picked up a square peg and he's been trying to ram it through a round hole for 800 years. Instead of just being like, maybe I let the square peg go be a square peg. And I get myself a nice round hole. But he doesn't want that one. He's got one, and it's that one, and he wants that one. He literally has said that. I don't want a new one. I like the one I have. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure if I keep trying, eventually it will work. You know, for a while it did. They had a honeymoon period. That's why. LaCroix got love bombed by Nick, too. Where he'll push LaCroix away for centuries, and then all of a sudden it's, Dad, I need your help. (laughs) And LaCroix's like, (gasps) It finally worked. I I stuck with it long enough. And then as soon as he's done using LaCroix for whatever, he's done. We're back to LaCroix, you're such an asshole. Quit quit creeping behind my refrigerator. We've talked about this. (laughs) It's, I don't know. It's an interesting take. I know how we're supposed to see Nick. But when you watch them all together and you really dissect them the way that we do, Nick doesn't always come out as the nicest character. Yeah. In the show. Yeah. Skanky does. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we've left, you know what? Skanky grew, right? Yes. This, this is what's important. Not that you start out perfect, but that you leave room for growth. And so Skanky has grown. Did he start out perfect? No. We have all of our casual Skanky sexism in the first season. And we have very gradually created this character who's the best character in the series. He's much more mature. Yeah. He's mature. He's a good friend. He's willing to admit when he's wrong. He's willing to make amends for mistakes that he's made. He's willing to be accepting. He's willing to have a positive outlook no matter how many times something negative has happened to him. And he's an excellent foil for Nick's character because Skanky is the opposite of a himbo. Yeah. And I think we can leave it at that. Until next episode, where we'll probably rehash it again, because my undying love for Skanky is as much a part of my undying love for this show as Nick is. 
All right. Until next time, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Look us up on IMDb.